Speaking of life, I'd like tonight to preach to you on everlasting life. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And we're going to look at verse number 12. 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 12. Amen. I'm glad we're here tonight, aren't you? They say out there yonder, it's Super Bowl Sunday, you know? That's what they say. Amen. I'd, I, I wonder even, uh, they say, I even, honestly, I, don't, I even hate talking about it up here, but, but I, I think it's, you know, I'm going to use it though. You know, what is it? Tom Brady has six Super Bowl rings, you know. But if he don't know Jesus, he don't have anything. So, I mean, what's he going to do, like, if he don't know the Lord? And pray that he gets saved. I mean, we, all, we act like that celebrities can't come to Jesus. It would be good. It would, it would glorify God if Tom Brady accepted Christ as a Savior. It sure would. Now, if he did, not, it won't make ESPN headline news. But it would be good for him and for the gospel that he would be born again. And he can be, Amen. I mean, right now, pray that he can be, that he, he'll receive Christ as a Savior. But if he don't, I mean, God forbid that he don't. And if he don't, what's he going to do, like, when he comes to the end? And he says, uh, yeah, but look, I got six Super Bowl rings. I mean, Jesus will say to anybody that has six Super Bowl rings only, he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. I mean, but the whole world knows me. They, they all know me. And he'll say, but I don't know you. I mean, the whole world might know you, but that's not really what's important. It's, it, does Jesus Christ know you? Amen. That is what is most important. Amen? But I'm glad I'm here tonight. I'm glad, I'm glad that it's on record, and you should be glad, too. You, you should be glad, too, that the Super Bowl is going on right now. You ought to praise God that you're here tonight. Amen? I at least have to preach long enough to, uh, to at least make sure we don't see that most likely the, that godless devil-worshipping halftime show. Amen? At least we can uh, miss out on that if, if you're going to watch it. At least. And if, if, if not, then make sure. I'm, I'm not joking at all. Make sure. Because I don't know what they're going to do. You know? Could you imagine like being the Fox Sports Network? Like I'll admit, like somebody comes and they're going to like preach or speak here at the church and I really try to make sure they're vetted in some way because it's a thing, it's a weird thing. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, once they're up there, you know, and could you imagine you, you, uh, you bring in some high-profile uh, entertainment celebrity and Fox News, wants, they want to hire them to do the halftime show, and they, they don't know what in the world's fixing to happen. <laughs> they don't know what that person is going to do. Um, it's... I heard a joke right before service started that uh, if you're a church leader, this is like one of the nights that you want to make sure that you come because you don't want to be accused of, being, of not being here because of the Super Bowl. Then I found out Brother Bill isn't here, but he really is sick. He, he really is sick, isn't he? He really, he's watching Bill Keller really, really is, he really, really is sick, so uh, do pray for him tonight. So, uh, anyhow, I'd rather have Jesus, wouldn't you? I'd rather have Jesus. Um, what's, uh, what's exhausting about the ministry is, like, this morning, like, um, I emptied the tank again. You know, I don't have anything. So, you know, and 6 o'clock's coming. And so I preached all that I knew. And I emptied it out. And then it, it's, it's coming back again. 
And I, I was, you know, the tank was empty, and it's that way every, every Sunday afternoon. And, but I was, uh, thank God for our Sunday school time, because I didn't know it at the time. We were, we were discussing a matter there during class, and I didn't know it, but that was the beginning of tonight's sermon. So, so uh, it's a blessing to be a part of a small group, and you get to talk about Scripture, because it's edifying, and it builds up the church. And tonight reminds me that, that this sermon has sprung from that, and it's a wonderful, wonderful example about how it benefits our church. First Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 12, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Lay hold on eternal life. Life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. We pray, God, that our church would be blessed and edified by your word. Lord, I, I make, I, I make uh, Lord, no reservations about myself. I know what I am, but Lord, that's why I need you. For without you, Lord, we can do nothing. For without you, nor could I preach, nor could we hear, nor could we understand, nor could we perceive with our eyes. Lord, we need your help tonight. And Lord, we pray that this word would be your word. And that your word would penetrate our hearts and our minds it would bless us, enrich us by your grace, your mercy. Grow us, Lord. Help our faith to increase tonight, Lord, by, and that we can experience that much more grace through faith by your word. Help us, Lord Jesus. We love you and praise you. In your name we ask these things. Amen. So Paul tells Timothy, lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on eternal life. Number one, lay hold on eternal life. So eternal life is something that can be grasped. You can have it. So Paul tells Timothy, you, you lay hold on it with your might. You grab a hold of it. Um, it's something that you can have. I'm glad of that, aren't you? I'm glad eternal life is something that you can possess. We can possess it tonight. It is absolutely important that you know that you have everlasting life. It is absolutely necessary that if you ever want to to know the Lord and to ever, or rather, if you ever want to see glory, that you have everlasting life. Now the Bible, the Bible makes it remarkably clear and that eternal life is only linked through Jesus Christ our Lord. And there's no other way to have it except by Him. So the Bible is explicitly clear. The Bible absolutely teaches that eternal life is linked connected only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe make a note of this passage of Scripture, John 17, 3. And this is life eternal. This is it. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal and is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not through you. It's not through what you can do. It's not through you being perfect. It's not through what you can accomplish. It's certainly not through your good works. It's not by, uh, by your earthly success. Everlasting life is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5.11 teaches, and this is the record. This is it. This is the record. This is settled. That God has given to us eternal life. And this life is through his son that's it there's no other way to have everlasting life amen now you might think well i know that tonight but maybe tonight somebody here don't know that 
You might think you know that, but what about maybe one of these young people and they've yet to, make a, they've yet to receive Jesus as their Savior. They've not accepted Christ as their personal Savior. The only way they can have everlasting life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's it. There is no other way. Eternal life, it transcends time. That's why the moment that a person receives Jesus, they, they in that moment possess everlasting life. They have eternal life immediately. That's why that death can't take it away. That's why if uh, you pass away and you sleep in Jesus, you have ever, everlasting life in Him. It transcends time, your time on earth. It is eternal. It goes on forever and ever and ever. You can't even track it with time. It's eternal. You can't say it lasts this long because it is eternal. You can't say it even has, a, has an ending because there's not one. It is eternal. There is no sunset in eternal life. There is, no, there is no it coming to an end. It is forever and ever and ever and ever. It's beyond my comprehension, isn't it yours? I can't even comprehend something like that. I mean, always my clock is running, aren't you? Especially if you're not retired yet. You know, tonight you've got to go to bed. Tomorrow morning you've got to get up at a certain time. Then you got to be there at a certain time. You eat lunch at a certain time. You get to leave at a certain time. You do it all over again and again and again. And our life is nothing more than a tale that is told. I mean, if we live past 70 years, we say, thank God, amen, I made it that long. But here on earth, we're running out of time, and time is short, and time is precious, and time is the greatest thing you could have on earth is time. But after this life, after this earthly life, it is eternal life. And it'll be either, either everlasting life in heaven or it'll be everlasting life in hell. And the only way to have everlasting life, in that life eternal, is through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So then we could say accurately, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, isn't there? There is a heaven to want and there is a hell to avoid. There is life in Christ or there is death without Him. There is joy in heaven with Jesus or there is forever torment and misery without Him in eternal hell forever. Now as much as we rejoice over the idea, the truth of everlasting life with Jesus Christ, could you imagine the eternal true agony of being eternally tormented in that flame? I'm glad that the ever, everlasting life is through the Lord Jesus Christ, aren't you? I appreciate Him so much, that's what I'm getting at. I thank Him for what He's done, don't you? I mean, you might think, well, that's not very exciting. Well, I tell you what, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? To know that I have everlasting life, not because of anything I've done, not because of what anything you've accomplished, but the free gift of grace through the person of Jesus Christ was offered to you or is offered to you, and all you have to do tonight is receive Him by faith, accept Him, say yes to Jesus. And in that moment, eternal life will be yours. Amen? So lay hold on eternal life. The only way you can lay hold on eternal life, listen carefully, is lay hold on Jesus Christ. He is the only way and there is no other way. So Paul tells Timothy, lay hold on eternal life. Now you might think that seems kind of strange that Paul would say that to Timothy because Timothy was a minister of the gospel, but more than that, he was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul even remarked about his faith, the faith that was in Timothy. So Timothy was saved just like every other Christian was saved. He was in need of a Savior. But why would Paul tell one who is already saved at this point, why would Paul tell him that he needs to lay hold on eternal life if he already possesses eternal life? 
Well, the first thought that comes to my heart is this, is that sometimes even though we have eternal life, we act like we don't have eternal life. Or we live in such a way that it's not the reality of our life. It's not the reality of what we are. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not the, um, the sum total of who we are. That we worry about everything, but we forget we have everlasting life. I mean, everlasting life, Paul tells Timothy this because Timothy, it seems, especially if you read 2 Timothy, that Timothy is like many of us, he gets timid sometimes. Where he's caught up in worldly things. Not, not like we would think sinful things, but Timothy has the whole world against him. And, and Paul's trying to get Timothy to be that lion, that giant of the faith. And Paul's trying to get Timothy to uh, speak the truth to power, irregardless of the consequences. Paul's trying to get Timothy to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's trying to get Timothy to endure hardships for Jesus' sake. Paul's trying to tell Timothy, hey, your time of departure will also be at hand, and you also may be offered for Jesus Christ. Paul's trying to tell Timothy, hey, this world is not your home. This world can get hard, it can get violent, it can get vicious, it can be rough, it can be hard to bear. So what is Paul trying to tell Timothy? Paul is trying to tell Timothy, hey, no matter how hard it gets for Jesus, everlasting life is yours. That's what Paul's trying to get Timothy to realize, to lay hold on it, to live under the knowledge that you have everlasting life. That Timothy, you're going to make it because Jesus gave you everlasting life. Timothy, it's going to be okay because Jesus, the moment you were converted, Jesus gave you everlasting life. Timothy, I know you're cold right now, but that isn't what it's going to be. Timothy, I know you're embarrassed for Jesus' sake right now. I know they made a fool of you, but you have everlasting life. Timothy, I know you're sick with an incurable disease, but listen, Timothy, you have everlasting life. Timothy, be like me, Paul. I'm fixing to be beheaded, but I have everlasting life. What is Paul trying to get Timothy to do? Timothy, don't forget... You have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And don't forget it. That's the idea. And look what we, you and I do a lot. We forget it, don't we? We can get, I mentioned, I think, last week, I can get knocked over by a feather. You ever get that way? Don't forget that you, as a believer, have ever lasting, eternal life in Jesus Christ your Lord. Amen? You do. You have eternal life. Some of you don't seem like it. <laughs> oh, it's great, Josh. <laughs> I'm really tired tonight. Yeah, but you have everlasting life. You know? It's amazing, isn't it? You have everlasting life. So you might not have six several rings. But you have everlasting life. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with Jesus. It's, you know, words obviously fall short about the greatness of it all. But lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on it. I was talking to a, my neighbor yesterday, and he's talking about the end of life. And even she said, you know, really, about the struggles of end of life care and all that, you know. 
What brought it up is my dog ate a rock last week and almost died. And it cost us $1,500 to get him fixed. And in that moment, I thought, this is not my home. We're going to make it. This is not, I have a eternal life. But even she said, you know, really, we should practice what we preach, you know, because at the end of this life, this life, and somewhat theologically, doctrinally, she was incorrect because eternal life begins at conversion. But she's right that, you know, if we say we know Jesus, then our home awaits us in glory. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on that. Get a hold of it and live by it. It changes everything about us. Now, we should also lay hold on eternal life because of its value. Now, lastly, look at the context when, when Paul tells Timothy to lay hold on eternal life because context is important. Like uh, verse 7, the same chapter, he said, For we brought nothing into this world. It is certain that we can carry nothing out. He's talking about possessions and riches. So lay hold on eternal life. Um, verse number 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So lay hold on eternal life. You could even take verses uh, 1 through uh, verse 2, verse 3, there seems to be some political turmoil. Maybe some think a slave revolt is going on. And Paul told Timothy, he, he told Timothy that, um, that we should avoid these things. Verse, uh, verse 5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such. Withdraw thyself. Um, don't get involved in these troubles, in this life. Lay hold on eternal life. If you turn to the book of Philippians, Paul addresses it in another sense. In Philippians chapter number 3, if you would look at a verse, verse, if you will, at um, Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 23. Philippians chapter 1, excuse me, verse number 23. And Paul says, For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart, to be with Christ, which is far better. So Paul's like, I'd rather be with Jesus Nevertheless, to, be, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So Paul says, being with Jesus is far better. But verse 24, but living for Jesus is needful for you. But he's saying that really what's more important to me is eternal life. What's more important than even being here is to be with Christ, which is eternal life. What is Paul is saying that it has more value than living an earthly life on earth. Being with Christ is far better. But verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So our life could be something like this. This should be what our life is as Christians. Being with Christ is better, but, I, but living a life on earth is needful. And it puts things in perspective. That's what Paul is saying. Listen, I want to go to heaven, don't you? Anybody would. I can't wait to get there. But it's needful that I'm here. Does that make sense? So being with Christ is far better, but it's needful right now that I preach this sermon. Do you see how it works? And our life, if we put it in perspective, that's how it is. We have eternal life with Jesus. It's better to be with Him, but our life on earth is needful. So let's make the best of it. Amen? So to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul said, I'd rather be with Jesus, but me living on earth is needful for you. Lay hold on eternal life because its value is far better than anything in this world. Amen? It's better. 
the book, the Saint, book of Matthew, chapter number 6, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, sometimes people ask, uh, why are Christians, why do they seem happy? Are they, are they faking it? Well, they're not faking it because what's cool about them is a lot of times they're happy when their life is falling apart. They're happy and joyful when, uh, when, they're, when they're diagnosed with a terrible disease. They're happy and joyful when they hear bad news, especially like in a worship service. They get to thinking, you know what, I'm rejoicing not because circumstances are good. I'm rejoicing because my name is written in heaven. You see how it works? And so the value of eternal life, it, it gets us through the, tr- the troubles and struggles of life. Matthew chapter number 6, look at verse, verse number 19. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Lay hold on eternal life, because it is of supreme more supreme value than anything you own, possess, or can achieve down here on earth below. Amen? Eternal life is more valuable than earthly life. Eternal life is more valuable than your life on earth. It's more valuable. So lay hold on what is more valuable. Turn to the book of Colossians if you'd like to. The book of Colossians, chapter chapter number 3. Paul says... Verse 1, if ye be risen with Christ, if you're saved, if you're born again, if you're a Christian, if you're risen with Christ, if, if, if you were dead but now you live, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, so your love, your admiration, your desires on things above, not on things on the earth. Lay hold on eternal life. Don't set your affections, your desires, your loves on earthly things. Why? Because Jesus said, on earth, on earth, thieves break through and steal. On earth, moth nor rust does corrupt. You know, everything in this life grows old. You know, if you look good one of these days, you're not going to look good anymore. You know that? You're not going to. If you're tall, you ever notice it seems like you get shorter. It, before, when you was a kid, you didn't have any money. It seemed like you were the richest person in the world because you didn't care about money. But then when you got older, you had money, and then you seemed like the poorest person that ever lived. You see how it works? I mean, you feel good, and then you don't. Our lives are going away on earth, okay? Things in this world are temporary. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. So when the Word of God is saying, hey, listen, set your affections on things above, it's things that matter, things of greater value, things of more importance. The real things are eternal. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. You know, we want to battle depression, and anybody ever get depressed? Woe is me. It's usually because, a lot, is because we have set our affections on things of the earth which are constantly rusting and decaying and degrading and dying and withering away. It is no wonder we are often depressed. It's no wonder. Set your affections on things that are eternal. 
For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 3. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. Now, I don't really know what that means, but I like the word glory. I know this. It's going to be amazing. Amen? My life, your life as a believer, shall appear with Him in glory. Lay hold on eternal life. Amen? I preached about it. It was the last Sunday morning and Jesus walked on water and he told them, that, go to the other side. And he's like, you can really just take him at his word. No matter what happens between now and then, he's going to get to the other side. You're going to get to the other side. And you want to know what, how, if, what you can use to cope with the struggles, the storms, and the heartaches of life? It is the fact that as a believer, you possess eternal life. That's how you get through it. You possess eternal life. So no matter how bad the storm is raging, you will be with Christ in glory. Lay hold on eternal life. Because of that, look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Lay hold on eternal life and kill the wicked works of your flesh on earth, because all those things the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. So invest in what is Eternal. Amen? Amen. We're going to, what what do we call it? The trio? (laughs) You know, me, Sean, and Jason, we read words to a song. We don't sing. (laughs) But thank God Bonnie's trying to help us. (laughs) She is. (laughs) She really is. And She's uh, recommended some songs that would be, uh, would be good that we could sing. And one of those is, Oh, look what I've traded for a mansion. Oh, look what I'm leaving behind. Oh, look who will be there to greet me <laughs> when I step into God's sweet paradise. I'm leaving behind all my sorrows. Amen. <laughs> I'm leaving behind all my cares, for I've traded it all for a mansion. But Jesus is gone to prepare. Amen? Amen. Lay hold on eternal life. You know, you could say to one another, you might not like me now. (laughs) Well, one of the encouragement things to to love each other is, is, you know, we, we joke, but if you're a believer and I'm a believer... You're not getting rid of me. (laughs) I'm going to be with you forever. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Forever. (laughs) Me and you, Bashy, forever. Amen? I'm going to know you from here on. Isn't that wonderful? Forever. If I go before she goes, and it could happen, I'll I'll meet you over there, over yonder. Amen? We're going to be there together. Amen? Amen? Amen. What will that be like? Amen. It'll be one lay hold on eternal life.
I guess the big question is Bryson comes and, you know, a lot of us in life, we struggle many different ways and we can say, oh, look what I've traded for a mansion. It's amazing, isn't it? But if you don't know the Lord Jesus, listen carefully. Please listen to me. If you can hear me, listen to me. If you don't know Jesus, then you don't have life. You don't have life. How do you know that you have life? You have Jesus. You have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life. You don't have Him. You don't have to do anything to get Him. You don't have to change anything about yourself because you can't fix it. You know what? You can't fix it. But you've got to be willing to repent. What does that mean? It means this. It means, Lord, I'm broken and I can't fix it. I'm sick and I can't get healed. But I'm willing to turn to you. I'm going to quit trying to fix me. And I'm turning to you. Tonight, if you would turn to Jesus, if you would receive Him by faith, if you'd say, if you would accept Him, if you would say yes to Jesus Christ, so what do I got to do? Nothing. Just go to Jesus. The Bible says you'll be born again. You'll have everlasting life. Well, don't I have to do something? No, Jesus has already done it. He already died on the cross. He paid the sinner's price. He rose from the dead. And since He lives, you can go to Him because He lives. And since He lives, you can receive Him because He's not a dead Savior. He's a living Savior. And since He lives, the moment you receive Him is the moment that He imparts everlasting life that He has in you because He is life. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So who, who can only give life? The one who is life, Jesus, is life eternal. Eternal life is Jesus Christ. Eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ. That's it. He is life. And tonight, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. But you can have Jesus tonight. And you can have eternal life. Amen. As we stand to our feet, maybe you're a Christian, you're discouraged, listen to me. Hope this makes sense. It's real simple. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're enduring, no matter what challenges that are before you tonight, if you have received the Lord as your Savior, listen to me, no matter what you face, no matter what obstacle is against you tonight, you have eternal life. You have it. Lay hold on it. Lay hold on it. Because it's yours. And nothing can take that from you. Nothing. As we sing together.